Hello, I'm Christopher Kassan, and this is Ireland's Edge. On today's episode, Challenging Authority. How can new forms of art address injustice, wealth and power? Geika is a multidisciplinary artist from South London whose work makes use of music, performance, visual art, technology and text. Dazed have called him Electronic Music's answer to Basquiat, and he has described his recent experimental work as ghetto futurism, pioneering new forms of art and activism in a time of inequality, gentrification and technological change. In Dingle, Geika spoke with Ireland's Edge curator, Shiva Quinlan. So, Geika, to begin, your highly interdisciplinary work has interdisciplinary, interdisciplinary roots. Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell me a little bit about your journey from aeronautics to art school? So, um, I went to university to study engineering. Um, I was studying aeronautical engineering. I decided halfway through that I probably didn't want to design missiles for, for, for the rest of my life. Fair. Um, and, you know, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. And I kind of, I left and eventually found my way to, into art school. Um, I guess the link was design and the link was a kind of uh, ability to, to speak to computers. Um, and it, it, I, there was also this, in the background was also this, um, I was very much into music, very much into music culture and mm-hmm. putting on events was how I kind of funded my way through university. And, and so part of doing that was making all of the assets around that and um, using using digital means to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess I just kind of pulled all of these different skills and kind of disparate um, skill sets together to uh, to create what eventually led to what my practice is today. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a mix of all of these things. Mm-hmm. And science was always a big deal in your house, yeah, right? Yeah, I grew up, my, my father was a scientist. Um, and, you know, his, his friends were scientists, so I kind of grew up around research scientists and technology in a, in a really kind of extreme way from very young. So, again, that kind of informed a lot of the decisions I make as an artist or, you know, along my journey, kind of, I was never afraid to get involved in technical things because that mm-hmm. was the, the first language that I spoke. Mm-hmm. And you have termed your music as ghetto fut- futurism. Mm-hmm. Could you unravel that for me? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it started as a, as a kind of a flippant response. I kept on getting asked to define what my sound was or mm-hmm. define what my aesthetic was. It was it's, you know, people were like, it's clearly some it's distinct. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it Afrofuturism? Are you part of a canon of Af- Afrofuturist um, artists? And for me... I don't know, I I don't see myself as being necessarily connected to, to Sun Ra or mm-hmm. any of that particular story because it, it, for me it felt like, well, this is about leaving the earth, mm-hmm. whereas my work is very much about what's happening here. And so I kind of said this, oh, my work is ghetto futurist as a kind of flippant response, but as I kind of dived into it, I realised that I kind of meant what I said in that mm-hmm. it is about about stating that we, the people, the kind of not 1%, the people that live in anything that is relatively 
the ghetto have a future. Mm-hmm. The mass of people, working class people, um, we have a stake in tomorrow. And, you know, this idea that, okay, the future is you get enough money to leave the earth or you get enough money to live on a yacht in the middle of the sea. Mm. I, I find it grotesque. I find it inhuman. So I try and imagine a future where we kind of do all live together. Mm-hmm. And in your piece for Days, where yeah. you imagine the spectacular empire, yeah. there was something you prefaced with that piece with that, that really struck me. You said, there is no morality in power, only its effect. Authority is relative. I want to challenge authority. I want us all to. So what do you mean by that? I think fundamentally, I'm talking about a class system. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, I don't see any, any reason why somebody should have more power than me just because. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, or should have authority over me just because I believe in a meritocracy. And when I say I want people to challenge authority, I mean, for me, that means to to consider meritocracy, to judge people based on merit, based on their action, based on, mm-hmm. you know, their morality towards some, or their morality or, or their sort of action towards some idea of common good, which I do believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I I don't believe just because somebody is in authority that they are necessarily correct mm-hmm. in their behaviour. I'd, I'd rather walk with my eyes open and judge people on what they actually do. And I, I think we should all should. And tell me a little bit about how your activism and your art intertwine. Um, there, it's, it's hard to say because I, I cannot really separate them. Mm-hmm. So I don't imagine the two things as separate entities that are mm-hmm. intertwined. It's sort of like asking someone how how do their legs work with their arms? You know, mm-hmm. they just walk. Um, so yeah, I just try and tell the truth with my work and the truth as I, as I see it. Um, I try to act upon that as well mm-hmm. in, my, in my life outside of my expression. So they're the same thing really. And tell me a little bit about GKZ. Yeah. That is my, um, I guess, my business, or mm-hmm. it's what I call a decentralized institution. It is, I have studios and a gallery and just infrastructure in London around the kind of creation and promotion and mm-hmm. production of, of artworks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether that be music, whether that be audiovisual art, um, whether that be visual art, I believe that, you know, you need space and equipment to do those things mm-hmm. with any kind of autonomy. So I, I have amassed that and it's what I use to make my works, but also empower other people who maybe don't have access to space and equipment and expertise mm-hmm. to make their, their works without necessarily um, being limited by sort of commercial viability. Mm-hmm. It's more to do with what is this about? Mm-hmm. Can we how do we make this? How do we communicate what we're trying to communicate? Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I see it as a kind of extraordinary effort, which is necessary. And in addition to that work, you're also involved at Nine Nights. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. That is a a streaming um, show, that Mm -hmm. music television that 
uh, me and um, some others, including Gloria Dursey, who's another artist, um, set up last year during mm -hmm. the kind of BLM protests um, because we felt we felt angry and sad because we had lost some of our friends during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we felt that the response from the music industry was kind of lackluster. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to do something that kind of by example showed how the wealth that's generated by black music can be used to empower black communities. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess we used what our expertise was, having worked with Boiler Room and having worked a lot of streaming kind of entities mm -hmm. um, to create our own. And it's it's led to, we've currently got a big exhibition at the ICA, mm -hmm. it's called Channel B. Um, we're working on the next season. It's been phenomenally successful and it's a great thing. And tell me a little bit about your current project, Live From War Island. My current project, sorry, my current project, Life on War Island, is, I guess it's an anthology of, of work. Of, mm -hmm. It's the work I've been doing in the last year or year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, it is a, a lot of things. It's an installation. It's like a structural audiovisual installation. Um, it's, that includes video, music, writing. I mean, there's a soundtrack that's released as a record. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're sort of making NFTs from it. Um, it so so what, what is an NFT? An NFT is... Or what does it stand for? It stands for non-fungible token. Mm -hmm. And it's ultimately proof of ownership. Mm -hmm. It's a proof of ownership of um, anything really, of a digital asset, of cryptocurrency, of kind of whatever you like. And it's, it's kind of an entry on a ledger on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. um, and you can attach files to it. Mm -hmm. And essentially what I do is I make digital digital art based on my physical artworks or so, my- So how, how does that work? Um, in this particular case with War Island, we the installation actually has a gener generative aspect, right? It is It takes a video feed mm -hmm. and creates uh, an output that is kind of synced to music. Mm -hmm. And, show, and displays that. And then people go into the space and they, they we hold events in the space and so on. So you get this feedback loop of mm -hmm. the image of people um, mixed with data that's coming on from, from the live stream in terms of um, like web analytics. And you create this, this loop which creates an image basically. And we would just record that mm -hmm. and then create an NFT from that, mint an NFT from that. And essentially, the aim is the performances that we have within the installation can become, the recordings themselves can become monetized for the artists in question. Mm -hmm. So I've taken something that started as part of my work mm -hmm. um, to, and I've tried to use technology to empower lots of other people with it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's kind of symbolic of my attitude towards NFTs in general. I'm interested in... So what, what is your attitude towards NFTs in general? Um, I feel like it presents an interesting opportunity in terms of the fractionalised ownership mm -hmm. of intellectual property. And it's a, a way to kind of close a distance, a kind of 
removes the power of the middleman somewhat and, you know, bring you closer to your your, your fans or people who mm-hmm. support supporters, should I say, people that are invested emotionally in your work as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of language in the music industry around exploitation. We have the right to exploit mm-hmm. your intellectual property in perpetuity. in perpetuity. And I feel like it's problematic. And I feel that, you know, everyone's been exploited. The, the people that support you are, are paying this guy mm-hmm. to pay you. Then you're probably paying this guy to promote you to those people. So you can kind of close that distance mm-hmm. with the use of technology, with the use of things like NFTs, because we can track ownership mm-hmm. and we can invite fandom to be involved in that ownership that they are invested in every single time they pay for a stream or they mm-hmm. go to a show. This can be a relationship that, that that grows. And as values added, you and your supporters or people who are invested in your work, you know, for real um, and long term can benefit rather than the kind of pump and dump thing that mm-hmm. happens in music, particularly in black music in, in Britain, right, mm-hmm. and America. So I'm... I'm interested in that aspect of it. I'm not really interested in crypto punks or any of this. Mm-hmm. I don't know about anything like that. I'm my my work exists in the real world. Mm-hmm. Exists very much in the physical world. Mm-hmm. But it's also been quite hard to define. The sorts of work that I make tend to be room-sized AV installations. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you sell that? How do you raise money for that without just being at the kind of beck and call of, you know, um, curators and institutions. How does mm. how do your fans invest in that? You know, from distance as well, because my work's very much about having to be there. Mm-hmm. What if you can't be there? So these are all of these things that have kind of led me to this to this place. And tell me a little bit more about the concept behind Life from War Island. Okay. So War Island in general, as I said, is this consideration of, I think, Britain at the moment, mm-hmm. particularly London. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that Brexit and the pandemic double whammy have highlighted some of the kind of fault lines in mm-hmm. governance. And I think one of the biggest ways that you know, we witness those fault lines is gentrification, you know, it's in the physical spaces that we inhabit, you know, how people get pushed and pulled from place to place and uh, action of kind of capital on mm-hmm. people's lives, um, I think is, it's, I don't know, it's really apparent and it's really, um, I don't know, it's really horrific at the moment. And before, prior to the pandemic, I was touring a lot as a musician, so I wasn't necessarily in the city I grew up in for long periods, but now I, I have been, and I guess I, I had to make a work that was very much about that, what it feels like to be on the ground level in London mm-hmm. right now. So somebody said to me, they'd read one of the written parts of it, and they said, everybody in your world seems to be deplorable in some way. 
and I don't agree. I just think I'm not someone that kind of is going to live in the kind of Harry Potter, like, you know, Buckingham Palace is what London's about. Because it's not, you know, right now it feels like Miami circa 1985 or something. It's really like a bit kind of sleazy. <clears throat> and, and so <clears throat> I, I felt like, okay, how can you, you know, how can you encompass this? Mm. So the, the installation is essentially like a, a, a physical recreation of towers of glass and steel and neon lights and mm -hmm. people. But the way it works is at least it's essentially a machine that creates value for people. So mm -hmm. I call it an anti-gentrification machine. Through the use mm -hmm. of technology, by being there, mm -hmm. we're able to, and the performances are actually able to generate some sort of wealth for the people and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So there's many moving parts to this. Mm -hmm. So it's a live installation. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a record, mm -hmm. and it, there there also will be an NFT collection to be launched. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the the live installation. So that opened last week. The, uh, no, the, that opened in October. In October. Yeah. It's at the ICA. At the ICA, so the Institute of Contemporary Art yeah. in London. Yes, it is. And I think if you go there, you will see large-scale kind of metal structures mm -hmm. with kind of reflective glass and lights and screens and computers. It feels like being kind of, I feel like, in a server room in a bank or something. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of deliberately made it have that kind of process feeling, like something is whirring away. Um, and then we, we have events in, in that space, important parties and performances and whatnot. And that's running until the end of January? Yes, it is. And then the record release, when does that come? That comes at the end of January. Mm -hmm. So currently, if you go to War Island, mm -hmm. that's the only place you can hear the, the record. Mm -hmm. It's on headphones inside the space. Um, but I'm going to put the, the soundtrack, the music out on general release at the end of January. Mm -hmm. And the NFT collection? Comes out next week. On the 1st of December? It comes out on the 1st of December. So tomorrow? Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> In tomorrow. fact. <laughs> yes. Geiger, thank you so much. And the thank very you. best of luck tomorrow with the release and with the release of the record in January. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Geika for joining Shiver Quinlan in Dingle. And you will be able to watch a video of this interview on the Other Voices YouTube channel. On our next episode, Nuala O'Connor speaks with research scientist Roberta Murphy about the wild world of psychedelics. I mean, I guess there's loads of different angles that you can take on psychedelics. I mean, in lots of ways, they give us insight into areas of the brain that are actually quite hard to study. You know, the part of the brain that tells you, you know, I am me, I am conscious, you know, different kinds of kind of higher level functions of the brain, you know, much more complex than how you raise your right arm or speak. To make sure that you don't miss that or any of our future episodes, subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a South Wind Blows production, and I'm Christopher Kassan. Thank you for joining us. I look forward to your company next time on Ireland's Edge.